This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Y'all, I got to talk with a real-life mermaid today. Her name is Andrea Delzell. I know I keep saying I'm excited for every episode, but I truly am. This has been such a cool journey, and I hope you guys get as excited for each episode as I get to share them with you. I love getting to connect with people. Andrea is an incredible voice in the nursing community and for people living with disabilities. It's hard to know what to say or how to ask the questions, but it's important to start the conversations. I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. This week's Nurse D Energy Moment was sent to me from Et Valentine Aljabi. She writes, Hi D, I have a great NDE moment for you that I did last week. I was in a COVID unit taking care of my patient. Since the hospital has a no visitors allowed rule and my patient has been scared and unsure of what's going on also related to her dementia, her daughter is an ICU nurse at the same hospital and they told her she is not allowed to go see her mom. So while I was caring for her, I texted the daughter and asked if I could FaceTime her so that she could see her mom. And the look on both their faces was absolutely priceless. I love stories like this and we need to keep sharing these stories. So thank you, Valentine, for sending that in to me. It's so important to not lose our sense of humanity and to try to connect now more than ever, be it working through this pandemic or connecting through learning to unlearn centuries of racial prejudice. I have a new challenge for Nurse D Energy. How are you going to show up for the Black community? How are you going to educate yourself? How are you going to advocate for Black people in healthcare community? Let's sit with that. Andrea, I've been so excited to talk to you. I don't know if it was on like an e-news, like did like an Instagram blast too, but I found you through Nurse Tammy and she just had like all the most amazing things to say about you. And I found your page and I'm like, this girl is freaking awesome. Oh, thank you. I love Nurse Tammy. Oh my goodness. She's amazing. Uh, We need to get this girl well though, because that poor girl has been sitting there. I, I don't forget what the count is now, but it's like 62, 65 days now. Something a fever? That she's, yes. I don't understand. I'm like, I would be screaming from the rooftops. Yeah. Like, fix me. <laughs> Figure something out. Yeah. But we're not here to talk all about Nurse Daly. We're no. talking about Andrea Delzell. Am I saying your last name correctly? Delzell. You are. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Oh people, my goodness. <laughs> not, people, people mess up my last name all the time too. So I try and be very conscious of of how I say names because I like I just want to make sure everyone's name is correct. Yes, but like my last name is literally two syllables, Dal and Zell, and I get like yes. dazzle and I'm like, what? Oh god. Are they even <laughs> seeing the L in the middle there? Come on. <laughs> so I absolutely love your Instagram page. I love that you refer to yourself as a mermaid on a wheeled throne. Like, yes. where where did that come from? I love that. So a lot of women in wheelchairs in general or wheelchair users, um, they refer to themselves as mermaids because we're still very active on land. Yeah. And we're free in water. Like, there's no restrictions in water. Oh. Right? So yeah. we're, we're mermaids, right? Mermaids can't walk on land. No. But we're on chairs and we're still getting around on land. Right. So yeah, I was Miss Wheelchair New York 2015. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't know this. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. So I just said my chair was my throne and I'm the mermaid. Cool. (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. Okay, so I want to talk about this now. You were Miss Wheelchair New York. That's so cool. How was that competition like? So it's a smaller competition and we're not like a pageant per se. We're all about advocacy and Mm -hmm. community. Like we promote community within the disability atmosphere as as a whole. So my competition was really just proving what I'm able to do for my community and how I'm doing it as a whole for not only New York City, but New York State. And yeah, that competition was kind of, it was, it was nerve wracking. I think anything you go into that's new is nerve wracking. And I've never done the pageant world. Mm -hmm. Didn't, I was very new to advocating and being an advocate, having this voice. Yeah. And, you know, winning the title, everyone's like, I I was a shoe in, but at the same time, I didn't feel like that. The girls are amazing who I were, who I was up against. They all have a voice. They're all making an impact in the world in some way, shape, or form. And I just stood out. And I'm just grateful to just have my name among that cohort of 2015 Miss Wiltshire New York contestants. That's amazing. Is that where you developed your Instagram following from? A a good percentage of it, yes. (laughs) Good percentage of it. (laughs) That's amazing. What has that been like for you just to kind of have that voice now like on social media I feel like not only am I being seen for who I am Mm -hmm. but I'm being seen in the disability light like I'm opening that that vision that a lot of people tend to shy away from yeah saying you know here's my life with a person that has a disability I'm still extremely active I'm still doing things that you know every person can do just in a different way Mm -hmm. and my outreach mostly is to like healthcare professionals now. And yeah. I'm changing that narrative every day. Everything that they treat, they have, they, you treat it, but you don't really understand it mm-hmm. unless you're living it. And here I am not only treating it, I'm living it. So now the perspective is completely different. That's incredible. There's, there's so much I feel like that needs to be done in the world of just changing how we not only just talk to each other, but how we as nurses are making changes in the healthcare field and how our voices have so much value and that maybe this whole pandemic is finally starting to see nurses for like who we really are and like what we can do and provide not just to our patients, but to the healthcare community as a whole. Oh, definitely. 110%. I think nurses have always been the game changers, right? We the mm-hmm. ones that implement new policies. We're the ones that see patients on a day-to-day basis where we can make vital changes and communicate that to doctors. Mm-hmm. And when you're moving outside of the realm of like the hospital clinics, nurses also have this impactful voice in the community, right? Yeah. What's happening? What's really going on? And how do we get to change it? We're the ones that actually treat, you know, these illnesses as they're progressing outside. Mm-hmm. So when you have a different perspective altogether, you get to really say, this is not working. It might work in one setting. It might work in another, but it's yeah. not working for a person in their everyday life. How do we get to change that? Yeah. Have you made many changes like within your hospital system? Do you feel like with like regards to getting a job, working there and being an advocate for like everything that you can do as a nurse? I think right now I'm, so I'm still fairly new, right? I only just got 
into an acute care setting. Oh, okay. How long right? have you been at the bedside? So bedside, to be completely honest, I've only been on the bedside now for two months. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Happy two month anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little, a little backstory there was that, yeah. you know, it took me 76 interviews uh, to even get into an, a 76. Wow. Not because I'm a bad interviewer, but because, right. you know, perception of mm-hmm. disability in healthcare or working healthcare as a nurse is not there. Yeah. This, this perception is very like closed off. So seeing someone like me roll into an office and saying, yes, I can take care of someone who is total care mm-hmm. on a vent yeah. is unheard of. <laughs> They're like, wait, what? How? You're not standing. You can't run. How could you lift? All these questions come up. Yeah. And the pandemic actually opened that door because it didn't become, it wasn't about what could you do? It's like, oh, you can suction a vent? Go. Yeah. You know, vent settings? Go. Like, yeah. You can manage drips? Go. Yeah. Those, I mean, those are the main necessities <laughs> in That's amazing. So, like, you, and I, I saw one of your posts about this, like, turning around, turning that whole perspective around, like, it's not what you, what, like, your physical limitations might be. It's, it's like, you have it's everything that you can do. And like, you are such a necessity because you are a nurse. Like you can handle all these things that anyone else can do too. Right. Exactly. I think, I think the, the misconception, there's a huge misconception between ability and disability. Like what yeah. does, what does disability actually mean to the ability of the person? Yeah let's let's talk about like nursing school like when did you decide that being a nurse was something you wanted to pursue so I was Miss Wheelchair New York 2015 and I was finishing up my bio degree in neuroscience wow and I said that I was going to be a doctor my whole mo was I'm going to be a doctor because I'm going to make sure that people with disabilities have a voice Mm -hmm. and that they're going to be seen as active community members and I'm going to make sure that they're not in any pain. Like if they come to me and they say they have something, I'm going to take it at face value and treat it. Yes. <laughs> this is what I'm doing, right? I am, yeah. I am gun-ho on this. Yeah. And then while auditing medical school classes, I realized that the medical profession is very much about just treating a disease process. Mm-hmm. You look at someone and you're automatically thinking about all of the diseases and comorbidities that this person has. They're no yeah. longer Miss Janet from... Austin, Texas, like there's no more person attached to the disease. Yeah. It's just the disease. It's just the disease, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can see it now, even as clinicians or doctors, there's very little bedside manner that really plays into the humanistic aspect, right? It's Mm -hmm. very straight cookie cutter. You have this, we're going to give you this to fix it. You have these symptoms, we're going to give you this. Whereas nurses are really trying to take this holistic, we got to make sure that everything is encompassed in taking care of this one person. And I got that from when I was doing case management. Oh, okay. Right. So even before me being in case management, you know, as a student, I realized that I didn't want to look at someone as a disease process. My Mm -hmm. doctors already did that to me. There was only two doctors that I've had in my entire healthcare team that treated me and heard me when I said, I want to do track. I want to do rowing. I want to be a surfer. I want to go skydiving. Like they heard me and they were like, let's make it happen. 
Yeah. You know, but my nurses were always there to tell me, yes, you can do anything. Let's <laughs> figure it out. Like, yeah. how do we make your wheelchair do this? Or how do we get this mm-hmm. to happen? And, you know, even when I was sick, my nurses were the ones trying to make sure that I still had a, a healthy social life aspect. Yeah. And that's where I was like, nursing is where it's going to be, not not me being a doctor. Okay, WOMED peeps, we're going to noom out for a minute for, well, noom. I have been consciously using my new map for about four weeks now, and it has really helped me to choose better foods and quantities of those foods. I finally feel like I'm on my way to living a healthier lifestyle, and it's thanks to Noom. I was stuck in a rut of boredom eating. Hello, I live alone and sheltered in place alone. Food was comfort, but I also started noticing that I was in fact full, but still finished off three more big bowls of cereal. Noom helped me learn how I was eating and it helped me start working on my behaviors around eating. Their philosophy is rooted in psychology. I even got my mom set up with it. And it's something we can do together to keep ourselves accountable. The lessons are quick, but impactful. Food logging is super easy and they even have a scan option if you can't find the food you're looking for in the library. Adding in exercise and meeting your steps becomes a really fun challenge. And on top of all that, your goal specialist is right there to message and help you. No food is good, bad, or off limits. Everything in moderation. You are given the tools to make choices for yourself. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make for really big progress, and it's okay if you get off track. Take the first small step and sign up for your trial today at noom.com womed. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash WOMED. Again, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. I feel like DOs are starting to become more of like a popular route for doctors just because they do take in a more holistic approach. But that's like the way it's always been. Like nurses are always the ones at the bedside. We are the ones and we're taught that in nursing school to advocate and like look at everything. Like you break down, I remember sitting in class and breaking down um, case studies and they'd be like, okay, this person came in with this, 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 and this. And you're like, your immediate first thought is, okay, but like maybe what's their home situation? Like what, you know, led them to be like this? Like what kind of community and stuff are they in? So it's like, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about nurses is that we don't just treat the disease, like you said, you know, and I think that nurses play such a pivotal role in humanizing and completely, I don't want to say inhuman aspect of like the hospital, but like the cold atmosphere of a hospital, you know, they put some humanity and, and, and love into it. Right. It's sterile. It's sterile, like an OR and they're just bringing the color. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So what was nursing school like for you? Uh, Every day was a battle for me just because of the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to just be a student, Mm -hmm. right? I was a student with a disability and my disability always was at the forefront of everything. So when it came to clinicals, it was like, can I get in that clinical building? Can I get around the the hospital room? What am I going to be up against with the floor manager? What am I going to be up against with being a team player, right? Mm -hmm. Like what accommodations would I need? Thankfully, you know, on my end, I didn't need accommodations. None of my, I didn't need, you know, lower anything. I didn't, you know, 
I was able to adapt pretty well in any environment that I was thrown into. That's amazing. Which is great. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I always have to think about that. Yeah. So can you imagine us being nursing students and you're already thinking about that exam or what information you're missing Mm -hmm. or, you know, papers that you're writing on top of having to think about that every single day that you're going to class or going to a clinical practice you have to now think about your disability on top of that and how that plays into keeping things sterile. How do you keep safety up? How, like, it's a lot. Like it was, it was taking like 16 classes and then, well, I was taking three classes and clinicals on top of taking outside classes on top of then thinking about my disability and how that played into every single role that I was in. I feel like you've, you've just said that you've done the work of at least like five people in like one given day. One given day. And that's how it was for me in the beginning of my nursing school, because the beginning of nursing school, my first year, I was on student government. I was Miss Wiltshire, New York, 2015. Mm -hmm. I was in nursing school and I was finishing my bio and neuroscience degree. (laughs) Is there there anything that like you can't do? I feel like you're going to like, are are you doing like research to them with the um, with your bio degree? I haven't done any research just yet. Uh, I am in the process of starting to think about, you know, some research studies just because there are more and more people who have disabilities that are like physical disabilities that are going Mm -hmm. into the nursing field and wanting to get into nursing school. Yeah. So there's definitely some studies there, you know, especially when it comes to being able to prove a point, Mm -hmm. you know, like we we belong, we're there, we're here, accept us. Yeah. I think it's really important for people who don't have like a physical disability like that who would question, okay, so how are you able to adapt? And I I love that you just broke that whole post down and you were like, no, I get it. You would question it, but this is all the things that like I can do and I'm capable of doing. Right. I think that there's just this huge misconception again that disability equals inability, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas the difference is that someone with a physical disability, whether it be very new or something that they've had since birth Mm -hmm. is something that they've learned to manage and that they learn to adapt. Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. don't give credit where credit is due. Like you're looking at someone in a chair and you're thinking, well, how could they stand for 12 hours if they're in a chair well you're, you don't need them to stand they're sitting down comfortably in a chair that they're used to sitting in for 16 hours plus a day yeah <laughs> like, like how are you going to be able to you know reach down or bend and lift like they are already accommodated to their lifestyle skills so just give them the opportunity to show you yeah and fitness has been a really big part of your life too right like you used to do like racing competitions and mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that, like some of the more exci- um, exciting, yes, yeah, well, like, <laughs> all, the like, outside exp- all the outside <laughs> fun, awesome stuff that you love to do. So I am such a like adrenaline rush person that I would get into anything and everything. Uh, <laughs> the ner- the disability world is so exciting when it comes to trying new, uh, I guess, sports and activities. Yeah. So they have all these adaptive programs and usually these adaptive programs will like let you have a trial. Like usually it's like 
once or twice a year that they get like a whole group of people together and they Mm -hmm. let you try whatever extreme sport it is that you want to (laughs) try. Awesome. (laughs) So like I've gone snowboarding, I've gone skiing, I've gone uh, surfing. Surfing is my favorite. I don't know how to swim, but yet I've been in the ocean. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) That's amazing. How was that experience? That experience is freedom, you know, again, yeah. back to being the, the mermaid on a wheel throne. There's yeah. no barriers in the water. Yeah. Right? There's nothing that's holding you in one place. So getting out of my chair and being able to just be free floating mm-hmm. in water, it's just like one of those experiences that it's just very hard to explain unless you've been yeah. in my like shoes in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just surfing and having that let go moment and having someone else just like be your spotter and you're just riding on a wave into a beach it's like oh I get go out and surf this summer if that's the one thing that you guys get to socially non-distance yourself from go surf (laughs) I've always wanted to try surfing but I have such a fear of sharks that like I, I feel like it, that would limit me in my, in my like, okay, I'm going to go sit out on a surfboard, <laughs> but it's so cool. I think it's so cool. Well, they have surf parks. So if they're oh. open, let's go to a surf park. <laughs> Done deal. Let's do it. <laughs> <I'm game. laughs> That's been the exciting part of all of it. You know, skydiving, skydiving was another one, you know, being oh able to get gosh. out of my chair and kind of just free fall in the sky it's like there's no no one's telling you you can't do something right I'm free out of a a plane that's perfectly fine (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my god I love that that just I I mean what a sense of freedom yeah exactly wow I also read your article in uh shape magazine and I guess this kind of goes back to the Instagram world type thing, but you mentioned in that you didn't really have many role models as a child that you could relate to. So did that, does that kind of fuel what you're doing on Instagram? Like just trying to, you know, for maybe like a girl that's like newly diagnosed with TM or something like you were, does that motivate you to, you know, be like, girl like you're you're gonna be okay like you got this like it's gonna be difficult but you know but just being seen in a way I think that it's extremely important to have an appearance right not not only just for me but for anyone with any disability um being seen and being seen as an active part of your community can change the way someone thinks about themselves and I say this very heavily because as a child you know, you go to your doctors, all of them are able, you go to your teachers, all of them are able, you go to your community stores, you, you shop in malls, there's nothing that looks like you, nothing's sitting down in a wheelchair, nothing's using a cane or a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, no one's missing a limb, you know, and is it because they don't belong? Is it because they're just not out there? They're not doing those jobs? Like, why am I not seeing someone like me? Mm-hmm. Right? And the impact comes when you actually find someone that's doing what you're doing, but then you hear their backstory saying that they took 76 interviews to get there. I still you can't know, believe like, 76 interviews. Right? Like it shouldn't, like, why is it that, you know, I'm not seeing 
these role models in the world and they're out there they're just hidden mm-hmm. why yeah you know and it plays a role it plays a, a, a huge like mental anguish on someone growing up especially a teenager who's probably newly diagnosed with a, a de- progressively debilitating disease right or a young child who's born with a physical disability who has only known this disability but then feel some type of shame mm-hmm. because no one around them looks like them or no one around them is doing the dreams that they're dreaming of so therefore they're being told that they can't do it yeah you know so it's it's i feel like it's a duty on my end to keep pushing the narrative keep trying to be as exposed as i can be so that someone else knows that they're not alone that mm-hmm. they can do it that you know, it's not just if you put your mind to it, you can do it, but you can literally change your environment to make it work for you. And that, you know, society constructs don't apply when society is not even taking you into consideration. How do we change that? How can, and again, I don't know how to say this. And, say it, and however please, which way please, you say it. No, please correct me if like, if I'm wrong with like the right terminology, how can able-bodied people better advocate Mm -hmm. or be better allies to persons with a disability? I think that it's extremely important to have these companies and own up to their EEO statements. Every single company has an EEO statement. That EEO statement says that we do not discriminate against sex, gender, race, disability. Like it says it, it's there. Mm -hmm. Own up to it if you see someone that's struggling to have get that job interview yeah so help them get it get them in the door you know don't question if or whether or not they can do the job Mm -hmm. get them the opportunity and then let them show you they can do the job yeah you know and if they they get the opportunity and they need accommodation so then get them the accommodation the accommodation shouldn't be the issue right right it's being an ally is giving a voice right shedding light you're being an ally right now by giving me a space on your platform right (laughs) so and it doesn't seem like a lot but it's a it's a huge deal you know to just open that space or even like if we're using social media as an example Mm -hmm. you know spotlight someone who's doing something in the disability community that you've probably never heard of before you know like not you particularly but just in general that's how we're using social media now yeah you know we we're constantly tagging and posting and reposting people that we think are awesome. Mm-hmm. There are people out there with disabilities that are doing some things that I wish I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, <laughs> but you know, that's just not my MO. So I give it up to them and I try to spotlight them too. Yeah. What kind of, I, well, first I really appreciate that response because I, I mean, that was one thing in, in creating the WOMED. I, I just wanted every, I mean, specifically female, because, you know, we already don't get like a big piece <laughs> in healthcare, but I wanted every female voice to, to have a space to, to share everything that they're doing, like the impacts that they're trying to make, because, because every nurse has a side hustle, like every, every woman in healthcare has a side hustle and they've mm-hmm. been working really hard. And I just, I respect the hell out of you with everything that you're, you're doing. I think your voice is incredibly strong and amazing. And I'm just really glad I found you in this community. (laughs) 
Oh man, I'm glad too. Like it's it's so wonderful feeling to be seen by nurses and then being supported by them after having such a rough start. You know, there was a point in time where like I actually thought I would go away from nursing because I, I would never be accepted. <laughs> and that's even hard to think about now, right? Yeah. Like just in this mind state that I'm in now, like, you know, here I am breaking those barriers, changing the narrative and yet there's still that lingering in the back of my mind that this fight is not over. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. nowhere near over. I'm just at the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, I teeter back and forth between being accepted as a doctor with a disability versus being accepted as a nurse with a disability. Mm -hmm. And all of these nurses that have flood my, or one of our future nurses that have flood my uh, messages that say that they can't get into nursing school or that, they've been turned away from nursing school or dismissed from nursing school or that they're afraid of the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what they're going through because I've been there. I've done it. I've witnessed it firsthand multiple times on end. So yeah, definitely. You know, I thank people like, like yourself for giving me the voice and my team because I'm not alone in this. So my team that in my force on Instagram, helping me out. Yeah. Shout out to Instagram for that. <laughs> I can't believe nursing schools have actually been turning students with a disability away. I mean, like I went to nursing school with a girl that had a disability, but it was honestly I never I never asked her what had happened, but she was missing like her like middle three fingers mm-hmm. so on on one hand. But it's like that didn't stop her at all. Like she didn't. I think it was like from birth it was probably like an amniotic banding type thing, maybe. But I mean, like that literally never limited her in anything like we work together she's she's awesome like that never stopped her but the fact that schools are prohibiting people from learning yeah it was almost the same scenario for me I mean thankfully you know I didn't give up and I I love the nursing school that I went to mm-hmm. but that was even a learning curve for them being that I was the first one to enter using a wheelchair for their program mm-hmm. so you know and there's a story that is often told and they know that I say it it's in almost every every storyline is the fact that when I I got accepted based on grades you know yeah. there was no interview or you know they didn't see me when I did an interview process so I got entered based on my pre-LNN scores and my my prerequisite grades and when I went in for the mandatory orientation I was called out of the classroom and I was asked if I could stand up and, you know, what was my wheelchair used for? And then I was told that they were unsure if I were able to stay in the program because they don't know if I would be covered by insurance or if the hospitals would allow me to come in. Wow. And my words back to them, because me being Miss Wilcher, New York, I'm an advocate. So I knew some policy and some laws. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I knew some of them. I was like, I'm covered by the ADA. The ADA covers my education. You've accepted me into the program already. Mm -hmm. So now it's on your end to figure it out. But I'll stay in this orientation because it's mandatory. And I'll start school next week. And they just looked at me like, oh, okay. (laughs) I went back into orientation. And after orientation was over, I went straight to my college's um, compliance and diversity office. Yeah. And complained. You know, I had a voice for myself and I was like, no, you're not taking this opportunity away from me. Mm -hmm. 
you already accepted me. How are you going to not now? Because I'm in a chair. Yeah. So they made it work. <laughs> they graduated. <laughs> I'm a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm really glad that that happened, but I feel like that shouldn't just fall to you to make these complaints and you should be allowed to get an education that you want. Right. And, and this is across the board for the whole United States. I mean, the world is dealing with their own. I've heard from nurses who have been dismissed from across the world wow. um, from nursing programs in their respective country because disability isn't seen as equal over there. So, you know, and what they're fighting for and their representation. But here in the United States, hearing that here, it's a sucker punch. It's, it's keeping that narrative going, saying like, you know, you're not good enough or this profession doesn't accept you. Mm-hmm. But yet every single profession has that EEO statement. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does like, this equal? If you wanted to know what I'm passionate about, I'm trying to connect that bridge. How does this equal one another? Just because your perception of someone with a disability doesn't equal up to what the norm is. I love that you're passionate about that. I'm like you're you're making me like more and more passionate and like trying to figure out like what I can do, you know, to to be a better ally and advocate for for making these changes and and holding companies to to a higher standard. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> has like Nike or Reebok or like any like fitness companies done anything with persons with disabilities? A few of them have. They hear, they do it um, here and there, and just mm-hmm. so that you're aware, today yeah. is global uh, global accessibility awareness day. Oh snap! This is awesome. Okay, <laughs> I wish this was coming out today, but <laughs> hey, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there are companies that do Nike uh, did a shoe that you know was made easier for people who had dexterity issues or used like KFOs. Uh, the mm-hmm. braces that go on their feet so that it's easier to get into shoes. So they've spotlighted certain things. Apple is a huge forefront runner. I've done an Apple commercial before with the iWatch. Oh, cool. uh, I'm sorry, with the Apple Watch. And mm-hmm. they spotlight a lot of people with disabilities. Toyota has done it on commercials. But it's not a one and done. Right. right? It's not just, right. okay, let's just show someone with a disability and have a token person. Right. right. That's why I love Apple. Apple is consistently evolving and keeping accessibility at the forefront of their product. You know, and it's a company that I've backed and they've backed me. But other companies, you know, it's not just about a token person. Mm-hmm. It's about really having the sense of inclusion with within showcasing and having representation throughout it all. So having these retail companies actually switch up what their mannequins look like. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We've witnessed, there's a young lady on Instagram, you walk, you glide. That's a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look her she, up. She's amazing. Her name is Steph. Uh, she's part of the Rolex dance team out in LA. And she was uh, on an Alta campaign. And in her Alta campaign, there was a young, a young girl who was passing their campaign on the window and stopped and stared because she saw herself. Yeah, Like it didn't necessarily mean like a mirror image of herself, but she saw some, a woman older, beautiful, looking right back at her from a window. Yeah. You know, these are just things that you want to be able to see in just everyday life. Like it should be incorporated 
everywhere. It shouldn't just mm-hmm. be like a one and done thing. That way people can start to familiarize themselves with disability, be accepting yeah. of it because it's a part of the culture and yeah. not just, you know, taboo. Don't talk about it. Don't stare at it. Don't look. Yeah. Do you think part of that kind of starts in like elementary school and stuff? Like when you're first starting to go to school and I feel like there was always like a separate classroom for the kids that might have had other special needs or had a disability and it's like I never fully understood why they had to go somewhere else as a kid to learn when they couldn't just be in the same room. Right I think in New York it's a little different. New York City particularly it's inclusion. Uh, Mm -hmm. All of the kids that have some type of mental disability that needs more attention gets a Mm one-on-one teacher but they're still in the classroom okay um they're mainstream students people unless you have like you need resources and you get pulled out of the classroom for certain resources that's the only time you get separated from a class okay this or is back in the 90s by the way <laughs> like it was a long, yeah, long even, time ago even in the 90s even yeah. in the 90s this is how it was for new oh, york city okay. um so new york city is kind of a, a little different on terms of you know getting access and what access looks like and how inclusion looks what inclusion looks like mm-hmm. but just like you know we talk about the conversation and what like first person narrative not like you know you're talking about the person not the disability right I think a lot it does start at the beginning right it starts right at elementary school when kids are starting to build on those social skills mm-hmm. right I get it now I worked I was a school nurse I'm that's my bread and butter job I'm, I'm a school nurse at first first up you know, before all of this. Oh, that's awesome. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm a school nurse before the pandemic hit, you know, yeah. then the pandemic hit and all the schools closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and the kids would come up to me and they'll call me like, you know, wheelchair face. And I'll be like, are you kidding? Yes, I use a wheelchair. Oh, no, I'm not kidding. Oh, you know, my but God. they're young. They're young. They don't know any better, right? They're not exposed to it. None of their programs on TV. So, no. so Peppa the Pig is not using a wheelchair, okay? No, <laughs> um, Dr. McStuffins is not treating people in chairs, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, they don't understand the concept of having someone with a disability around them. And then when they see them, they don't know how to react. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kids will say anything. So that's where I take the opportunity to change what they see. Yeah. Or like the one child was would say, um, oh, how are you the nurse? You look like you need the nurse. Okay. And I'll, I would look at them and be like, but I'm the one taking care of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just changing the way they see it. And it's also mm-hmm. what they're accustomed to at home. If they're seeing an elderly p- grandparent, you know, who's unable to do something and uses a wheelchair, they're going to associate that with someone else who uses yeah. a wheelchair without actually knowing. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to start at a younger age, but it it also starts with parents also being able to not just say, don't stare, but go ask. Yeah. Right. It's not, we're not knowing. It's about asking and actually having the conversation. Definitely. Um, And I think a lot of people are, you know, nervous to ask because like no one wants to like unintentionally like offend someone, you know? Um, And it's like, obviously get a free pass. Kids get a free pass. Yeah. <laughs> Kids get the free pass. We're, you're shaping young minds. <laughs> right. It's the adults and how you approach it. You know, mm-hmm. the first thing is not to just be like, 
hey, how how did this happen to you? Why are you in a chair? Say yeah. hi. My name is so and so. How are you? Do yeah. you mind if I ask you a question? Nine times out of ten, if you say, "Do you mind if we ask you a question?" we already know what's coming our way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we already know what's coming. So we will definitely be like, sure, and we'll have our hesitations just by how you word the question. Yeah. So the question is not, you know, it's how you approach it. If you're approaching it with good intentions, you'll get good response. If you're approaching it with this presumption or with a negative undertone to it, as mm-hmm. if like, why are you here? Why, you know, a why as in you shouldn't be, or as a why, as in you should be, you're mm-hmm. going to get different responses. But I think the only answer you should ever be afraid of is actually getting the answer that you've asked for. Yeah. Don't be afraid because the only answer, the only no, you can get a no. No, mm-hmm. I don't want to answer that right now. Okay, yeah. then, you know, fine. Yeah. But, you know, that's it. <laughs> I think that's a really important takeaway too. I, I hope after this is done, like we, we get to meet in real life because I would just love to hang out with you. <laughs> I think you're really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, we can we can plan this. We can totally make this happen. Social Perfect. distancing when it's over. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're friends with Katie Duke too? Yes, I am friends with Katie Duke. I love that woman so much. Oh my God. She has done so much. She's the one that really, uh, I went to her uh, do get up event yeah and sat in a round table with her and she was like f the hospital and I was like wait what that's what I want though <laughs> but that's what I want she's like no no you're a nurse you can figure out anything else but my desire was always to at least prove a point right my point mm-hmm. was I can be at the bedside I can work the bedside let's start yeah. changing this mar- nar- narrative at the bedside yeah and she was like, no, F it. Let's move on. Let's go. <laughs> you have a bigger <laughs> voice. And, you know, that's kind of just an empowerment point that mm-hmm. kind of just shaped, you know, what I wanted. It was more like, yeah. I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. When she said, yeah, F the bedside, it was more along the lines of, yeah, I could say that. Yeah, I can move away from that. No, nah, let's say F the bedside and me still be there. <laughs> yeah. And make the change and make it like just like showing people that you're more than capable of being just like every other nurse at the bedside. Exactly. I just do it a little differently. Like when I'm in a tight room, mm-hmm. I literally just push the beds to the side. Like I'll set up my room. Yeah. When I go into shift, I'll go in. I always go in 15 minutes earlier. And if I need to grab like a tech or another nurse right before I get off, mm-hmm. I'll just ask them, Hey, can we just move this bed a little bit over? That's yeah. it. Can I just clear out these chairs because it's a fire hazard anyway? yeah <laughs> I was like let's clear these like, chairs out so that I can at least get in you know yeah. and then I set my room for the night and then I'll move them all back in the morning if I need to that's awesome you're you're so cool I'm <laughs> I'm so I'm very grateful for this conversation oh thank you that makes me so happy oh good you make me really happy so I guess what's what's next for you? Um, do you want to stay at the bedside, you know, for a while yet? Or is there like another pageant or <laughs> what's your next surf trip? Like, <laughs> well, there's no more surfing right now. Just no, because not right of now. Social, but... Yeah, right now. But <laughs> um, what's next? So uh, the seated nurse is is starting to like really 
just on its own. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is really talk to my current place of employment about one, keeping me employed after my contract is over. <laughs> yeah. And two, um, really understanding what disability is and kind of honing in on their diversity and inclusion Mm-hmm. compliance and what that looks like going forward for them so hopefully yeah. they take that you know to heart another part of that is me going back to school finally yeah only, I've only been out of school a year and I'm going back and I'm saying finally like you know I've been oh my god I years. can't no. I can't go back to school <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready for that I've been out for like 12 <laughs> 13 probably now I think you know I, I keep saying that. that like I can't do it but like I think I'm I'm a, a closeted nerd I love to learn. Yes. So I need to go back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get my master's. I would love to be an FNP. Yeah. But, uh, you know, really take it a little bit higher than where I'm at currently. But I also mm-hmm. want to do education. So we'll see. I might make some. I might do both. Who knows? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like that you're just, you're limitless. There's, there's so much. I, I feel like you're just... sometimes I just get feelings about people and I feel like you're one of those people that's really gonna make like a huge impact in this in this world and of like a huge positive force I'm I'm trying I really am so thank you for that um I want to make that so that no no one's turned away from a nursing school no one has to do 76 interviews to get you know acute care setting no one has to wait for a pandemic to happen to be wanted right right (laughs) like I I I really hope that you know my journey is not the journey of someone else's and hopefully like you know I can change that narrative early on yeah well I'll help you any way that I can so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I see the team yes (laughs) well that's what healthcare is all about people forget that I mean like yes there's like a hierarchy but like healthcare is a team like you you can't have one system work like doctors wouldn't work without nurses nurses wouldn't work without doctors nurses couldn't function without rts you know there's there's a whole like we're like a symbiotic little synergistic unit of people that like we just we got to be there for each other and help each other out yes so oh yes um where can people find you like facebook instagram twitter plug yourself (laughs) <laughs> so on Instagram, I am the seated nurse spelled out the way it is. No difference. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Facebook, I'm Andrea Dalzell. My last name is D-A-L-Z-E-L-L. Um, so if you just, and you can Google me, I promise you, you'll find something to, to connect to me. <laughs> I promise you it is not that hard to get in touch with me. I think my awesome. email is blasted everywhere. So go ahead, just find me I love that well Andrea thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today I really appreciate it um I'm so excited I I love doing this podcast because I get so excited every time I interview someone for like that next episode to come out so that people can like you know be with me on these amazing conversations and stories and I'm I'm just grateful. So you're, you're helping to make my dream happen. I'm going to, I'm going to help you no matter what. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Danielle. I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Alrighty. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Andrea. I hope that we can meet 
you know, soon and, and hug in person. And <laughs> when all this is, is done and it's safe to hug people again. It will be. It will be. We will be okay. We'll get through this. And we will we definitely will. see each other soon or hopefully yes. rather than later. I hope so too. Okay, great. Have a good one. Thanks, girl. You too. Huge major thank you to Andrea for coming on the WOMED and sharing her experiences. I can't think of a person better experienced in advocating for their patient needs. I'm so grateful that I'm able to share her story here and I hope you all enjoyed listening. You are the change that we need. Make sure you're following along with Andrea on Instagram at the seated nurse. Till next week, WOMED out. Out.